with Scott Helm in, not in Oslo, but in Norway, in cabin, in the cabin, what am I doing? <laughs> in a cabin in Norway. And it was, I think the lowest we saw there was minus 22. Based on my watch at the moment, that's 30 degrees out there. Uh, much more my normal sort of temperature actually, which is which is good. And I, I gotta be honest, like, I really, really enjoyed the Scandinavian stuff and the, the snow and the ice and everything. But I was getting towards the end of, of our stay and I was just like, I'm just sick of the layers. <laughs> you know, like I don't some of you have to live with this like day in and day out. But it was it wasn't just the layers, it was having everything on in the right order. And I think like the final straw for me was I'm snowboarding one day and I'm just coming up to get on one of the one of the pommers, one of the little drag lifts, and I realise I haven't done my snowboard boots up. So for those of you who use snowboard, I've got boa boots, Burton Boa boots, and you can just like pop the pop the toggles off when you come down the mountain and you're having a coffee or something like that, so it just releases a bit of pressure. And then I've put everything back on and I've gotten in the lift, I haven't done that. So I've got to take off the glove outers and the glove inners and the power, and it's just this massive ordeal to do anything. It was amazing, <laughs> we really enjoyed it. I think we had, I wanna say three and a half weeks maybe in Scandinavia, so that was a good amount of time. Uh, the snowboarding was, was, was okay. I'm just going to say okay because it was still a little bit early in the season there, hadn't opened a lot of stuff, but good fun. It was good fun with Scott and his family as well. It's just uh, it's something about going to the, the snow, as we'd say in Australia, with uh, friends as well, which does change the dynamics a lot. I don't have a lot of stuff today, uh, and if I'm honest, there was a little bit of me which was tempted to put this off, but if, if, if I put it off beyond today, I'm doing this on Christmas Eve, it is 3.30 in the afternoon in Singapore at the moment on the 24th. I don't really want to do it on Christmas Day, and then the day after that we're flying back to Australia. So I'm doing it now. Not a lot of content. It's mostly after I do the bits about Singapore and so on. It's mostly going to be about the last pass incident and about Twitter and some changes in Elon Musk again. So if you particularly if you don't like that last bit, because there's some people that are just vehemently, adamantly do not, maybe that's not for you. But let me do the bits here first. So Singapore. For those of you who've not been to Singapore just craning my, my head around. You probably recognize the building over my right shoulder. This is Marina Bay Sands. Uh, and we went up there yesterday to have a, have a bit of a look around. And it is super, super impressive. Uh, particularly this end on the right here. I'll get to the chili crab, George, don't worry about that. This end on the right here is, uh, it, it looks like a boat from underneath, which is kind of cool. And for the mere sum of like nearly $100 for the family, we could go all the way up and we could walk around the top there, look at the view and come back down. But this is iconic. This is what you see a lot now for images of Singapore. This wasn't here 27 years ago when I used to live in Singapore. So little known fact, uh, for about three years of my life, I lived here in Singapore from 92 to 95 on my last couple of years of school. Now this was, Back when my father was a pilot, we ended up based here in Singapore and all the stuff in the background here was, was my normal for several years. And I've had a, a few trips back since then, a brief, never been able to bring the kids and the family, so that's, that's cool, this is the first time for that. Uh, and I'm sure you all sort of had times where you, like you've gone somewhere that you've been before that used to be really familiar, then you moved away or something and you come back and there's all this stuff that, that, that is familiar but distant. You know what I mean? So 
yesterday I had a long walk around. I had a, a meeting with some um, some law enforcement stuff, uh, cyber related, which was actually really great in the in the city. And I just went for a big walk on the way back, and I'm walking past all these places and recognizing, like weird things like bus shelters or something which just stick out or smells uh, particularly getting into the taxis here they, they all smell the same i mean that in a good way too it's not like durian for those of you who've been here before so that's that's been good the food is amazing so to george's question before chili crab yes that has happened i think i tweeted something about that the other day uh, chili crab is a very iconic singaporean dish so we uh we did go and hit a bit of that in the east coast seafood center a few days ago and just like going to the hawker centers here so that the hawker centers are it i don't want to say street food because it's that sort of implies something probably a bit dirtier than what a hawker center actually is but uh they are food markets with usually like plastic chairs and plastic tables uh, all mounted into the ground and then lots of stalls that are probably only a few meters wide and then this one will be doing the duck rice and this one will do the chicken rice and that one will do uh there's one yesterday which was like a, a, a pig on trail soup it wasn't very popular <laughs> i noticed i don't know why but the one next to it where we got the duck and the the chow shoe, the pork from was just beautiful so the hawker centers have been great and it, it sort of really hit home just how well you can eat for so little here so we went and got like four plates of of rice and duck and chicken and everything for the family and it was 16 dollars, 16 singapore dollars uh, where we now have to add about 11 percent to get to aussie dollars I guess to get to US dollars, it's, uh, what's that, low, t oh no, it's going to go the way, isn't it? Probably just over 10 bucks US. So you can eat really, really well and really, really cheaply. The chili crab was not that <laughs> because of the fact that it was crab that ended up being a very expensive meal. But it was epic. It was really nice. And, and it, it always just seems to be this, this dichotomy where th there is a way of, of living here which can be really, really cost effective. Uh, and then there's a way which can be really, really expensive, and there's there's a very small difference between the two of them. Uh, yesterday, like we've been getting a lot of taxis around. We we have been on the MRT for a while as well, the mass rapid transport. They're ridiculously clean and efficient uh, public transport network. But we get a lot of taxis as well, and it's never been more than about ten bucks to get a taxi. And yesterday, after we came down from that building, actually waiting to get a taxi, and there's a it was like a minivan taxi. And the guy's like, hey, this is like a more expensive taxi, are you sure? So it's been 10 bucks before, how bad can it be? Anyway, $50 later, <laughs> like a 10 minute ride. So this is this is sort of the paradox. And a lot of places in the world are like that, but it's uh, it's perhaps a little bit more overt, I find, in, in Asia. And, and Singapore, someone referred to it the other day, who was it? I had a meeting with some folks at Microsoft, and I think the word they used was, it's like a, uh, uh, a polished Asia, like a refined clinical Asia. So compared to going to uh, Thailand or the Philippines or somewhere like that, this is very clean and immaculate and pristine. Uh, and I think uh, I, I think it maybe just amplifies some of the the differences between you know taxi A and taxi B or food store A and food store B. Been at Universal Studios today. Still got the fast track wristband which even then i had to wait a very long time to get onto rides which is why we're back here at the hotel at only 3 30 because i don't have to wait down there at the pool either to get in the water or to have drinks served <laughs> don't have to wait very long so universal studios was super super cool uh 
that wasn't here when I lived here, so that that is a very new thing. As is Marina Bay Sands, that wasn't there before either when I lived here. Uh, but <clears throat> Universal Studios was was pretty neat, but maybe being Christmas Eve as well, it's just masses and masses of crowds, which is just uh, not run for crowds. We did work out what we're going to do tomorrow, though, for Christmas Day. We really hadn't planned anything until we went over to Sentosa, the island where Universal Studios is. Sentosa is, has been there for a long time as an island. It was starting to get popular when I lived there. It had some sort of beach areas. The cable car has been going there for, I think I read today, since the 80s sometime. Read about it today because I was telling the kids the story of when the boat hit the cable car and several cable cars fell off and people died, which is not a, not a happy thing, but noteworthy history lesson. So Sentosa has become a much, much, much bigger place. We're walking down there past uh, beach clubs, which are there now that weren't there before. And we went, shit, that looks, that looks good. That would be a good Christmas Day thing. So tomorrow we have uh, rented out a cabana on a beach club. And that will be our Christmas Day. Laying there by the beach, kids being able to play in the water. Uh, we need to spend quite a bit in purchases apparently to to justify it for them, so we'll be finding lots of champagne or <laughs> something, something suitable for Christmas Day. As I said, we're heading out on the 26th, so we're, we'll be heading off to the airport in just over 48 hours from now, back to Australia, where it's also going to be sunny. Incidentally, another fun fact, differences here. So the UV rating, I always have the UV rating up on my watch, because that's normally something we have to worry about in Australia. The UV rating at the moment is 5. Now in Australia... Certainly where we are on the Gold Coast, on a sunny summer's day, it would be a 10 or 11 every single time. But you can probably see there's a bit of, bit of cloud behind me, a bit of haze. It's always a bit of pollution in Singapore as well. So as, as much as it's warm, and in particular humid, it just doesn't have that, that bite to the sun like we'd have in Australia, which frankly is probably a good thing. Let me have a look at the comments here. Uh, yes, Sir George just about the chilli crab. I have covered this chilli crab. Um, he says Singapore has changed so much last 10 years even yes I think that it was probably about 10 years ago I, I spent several days here last when I was working for Pfizer um, you know one of the things that that hasn't changed which surprised me compared to say Stockholm in particular you cannot use cash there like everywhere is cashless you can only have credit cards so you can use the one on your watch or the you know the ones on your card or whatever it may be but here, there is still a very large amount of cash changing hands. The Hawker Centres, uh, everything I saw was, was in cash. I didn't even try to use credit cards. Uh, credit cards at Universal Studios, taxis, hotels, bars, things like that, no problems. But cash is obviously still a, a massive part of the society here, which I've, on the one hand, I find a little bit strange because it is such a progressive, technologically advanced city. And then on the other hand, I find it a little bit strange because... It's like 2022. Uh, well, actually, no, where was I going with that? No, I find it strange because of that. But I'm a, a little bit more understandable, particularly when you see a lot of the hawker centres. are They're run by sole proprietors, but then, you know, there's a lot of places in Stockholm are too, and they take card. Uh, maybe it's because a lot of them are run by older generations, less willing to change. I don't know. I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Uh, Johas, yours. Apologies for the butchering the name there. Chilling out your weekly update while getting into the Christmas spirit in snowy Norway. Happy holidays, everyone. Charlotte was looking at the weather today, uh, and as uh, as this gentleman whose name I just butchered understands, but many other people probably do not, 
the 24th in Norway is like the day. That's the big Christmas thing. And then the 25th, not so much. So Charlotte was showing me the... Uh, ooh, my, uh, my external light just ran out of battery. <laughs> so apologies if I'm now darker with this really, really light background. But audio still works fine. She was showing me some uh, weather reports. Apparently there's a lot of snow across Norway now. Uh, and she was looking at it a little bit a little bit longingly. And I'm like, I'm so over snow <laughs> after the last few weeks. And they're at Universal Studios. They're trying to do the Christmas thing. And they have all these these bubbles meant to look like snow falling down. And there's so many little Singaporean kids are running out because you don't see snow here, not for the last 10,000 years or something. And I was just I was just needling her. I was like, hey, look, there's, there's snow out there. So, Shut up, it's not real snow. George says, a uh, few hawker centres now even have uh, hatted restaurants. Oh, yes, apparently uh, apparently so. I saw, a, a, you know, like uh, this is like a Michelin star hat kind of thing. And we're talking about like a little hole in the wall. So to have a, a Michelin star hat for that is, is kind of impressive. Um, Fritz says, hockey and me on North Beach Road. Adrian, you need, uh, no, yep, no need for Uber in Singapore. As far as I know, there is no uber in singapore either but um the taxis are mostly plentiful there are some taxi apps i did end up using one yesterday because we had a bit of trouble getting a taxi otherwise but that that seemed to work pretty well adrian says it's a fine city quoted fine city now this has been a saying for a long time because there are so many fines for so many things in singapore uh now when i was living here it was your fines for things like chewing gum for spitting that kind of stuff there's a lot of signs up now about fines for smoking. Um, now, it's, it's interesting. In my anecdotal experience, Asia and Europe have been a lot slower on the smoking cessation route than Australia in particular. We've pretty much led the world on, well, the world on that, but also places like the US. So there used to be a lot more smoking here than there is now. And there are areas now where there are signs saying, not only is there no smoking here, but there is a fine and we have CCTV cameras and we will be monitoring you and we will use it to track you down if you smoke in this area. I think you get a fine from memory for taking a durian on an MRT. I believe that's still there. Fritz says, I actually have a t-shirt with that one. Joel, it's currently overcast now on the Gold Coast. Okay, well, you know, I did look at the forecast and it was like 27 or something each day when we got home. I was, I was a bit disappointed. Fritz has always found it fascinating to see the difference between Singapore and Malaysia, realising it is not that insanely long ago they were part of the same country. I like both of them. So for those not aware of the, the geography, Singapore is down the bottom of the Malay Peninsula. It's almost on the equator. It's just north of the equator. It's a little bit diamond shaped. It's about 40 kilometers wide and 20 kilometers high. And after Vatican City, it is the world's most densely populated country. Whether or not you count Vatican City or not is another issue. So it's a huge number of people crammed into a very small area in a very culturally diverse location. Uh, so you're off the bottom of the Malay Peninsula, so you've got a lot of Malays. You've got a lot of Chinese, you've got a lot of Indian, a lot of Indonesians. Uh, literally some of the islands that I can see just there are Indonesia got a lot of Filipinos as well, a lot of migrant workers from the Philippines, particularly performing roles such as uh, maids, housekeepers, nannies and things like this. So it's a real nexus of cultures, which is kind of one of the things I wanted the kids to see, because you walk around the street and you can see that people are dressed very differently or have very different traditions or they're eating different foods or speaking different ways. Um, and <laughs> this is the first time the kids have been uh, to Asia. and. Our daughter said to us the other day, walking around, she's like, there's a lot of Chinese people here. 
It's like, yeah, like, welcome to Asia. <laughs> People look different to you. They do different things. This is what makes it interesting. So we will be going and, and having, uh, having more street food tonight, uh, which is going to be an absolute uh, down near uh, Lao Passat. For those familiar with here, there, there is Satay Street. So we went to Lao Passat, which is a, a hawker center area for food the other night, walked out around the corner, and out on the street is just all these stalls cooking satay. just smelled absolutely amazing. You know, this is like beef and pork and prawns and things on open cold fire. So that'll be tonight. Now, let me talk about some of this cyber stuff that is still going on, even though we are here doing this stuff. Now, um, two main things I wanted to cover off, and the first was LastPass. Now, I'll, I'll lead with full disclosure. I'm on one password's board of advisors. I have financial incentive for them to do well. I am always very, very cautious about recommending one password or leading with you know go and get one password we've been talking about password managers because my view and i'm sure it's the same with the leadership one password as well is that it's in everyone's best interest to have a password manager like that is a massive step forward than not having one and then when you get to that point i really like one password because of a whole bunch of reasons now as part of that trying to be a little bit independent about the whole thing even as LastPass has had various incidents over the years, I have avoided throwing them under the bus or being vitriolic about it. And I'm not going to do that now either because I don't think it warrants that. But there are some things about this that are quite concerning. Now, they had an incident that they disclosed in uh, something around the August time frame. They had a subsequent incident that they disclosed very recently, and there's an update as of two days ago. Uh, and I'm just going to sort of cover the key bits here. And they sort of say, look, we recently notified you about an unauthorized party gaining access to a third-party cloud-based storage service, which LastPass uses to archive backups of our production data. In keeping with our commitment to transparency, we want to provide you with an update regarding your uh, our, our <laughs> ongoing investigation. Now, also, just as disclosure, how long ago did I write this? I have not always been a fan of LastPass. And uh, I'm just going to find the article. Uh, LastPass, some years ago, because I wrote about it. Where did I write about it? It's in here somewhere. There we go. <laughs> the blog post. This is October 2015, just after Ashley Madison. Log me in now, owns LastPass. Here's how to migrate to one password. I have been particularly not fond of Log Me In because of the extent to which their remote desktop software had been used by scammers running call center scams and the deficiency of LogMeIn's response when I tried to push them on doing better. They then bought 1Password and I was like, okay, here's how to move off that platform onto 1Password because, did I say they bought 1Password? They bought LastPass, sorry. Here's how to move off LastPass onto 1Password. So I have been vocal in my dislike of 1Password. Jeez, get it right, Troy. Not a single Singapore sling yet. I have been vocal in my dislike of LastPass due to the association with LogMeIn. Now, whether or not that has contributed to some of the issues we've seen here, I don't know. Let me get to the bit here in an otherwise quite long disclosure message that is sort of the real important bit. I'm just going to try and find on this page... Uh, now, where is it? There's something to do with Vault. 
Uh, here we go. The threat actor was also able to copy a backup of customer, dot, customer vault data from the encrypted storage container, which is stored in a proprietary binary format that contains both unencrypted data, such as website URLs, as well as fully encrypted sensitive fields, such as website, usernames and passwords, secure notes and form field data. And then they bold this bit. So I'm going to read that because it's their emphasis is obviously important. These encrypted fields remain secured with 256-bit AES encryption and can only be decrypted with the unique encryption key derived from each user's master password using our zero-knowledge architecture. As a reminder, the master password is never known to LastPass and is not stored or maintained by LastPass. Now, the bit which I think is most concerning here, and many people have flagged, is they've said, well, what if the master password is brute-forced? And what if it's not brute force now, but then it is in the future? Like, do you have to assume that your vault is now in someone else's hands? And I don't think that that has really been made clear enough in their disclosure here. And I, I really, I really understand the concern that everyone's raising here because that would be my concern too. Like, that's your worst case scenario. Someone has your vault and they're able to decrypt it. Now, I'm not clear on whether that's feasible or not. I think LastPass needs to be clear on that. I'll just scroll down. I don't think there's another update. But now there are a lot of people on the Twitters uh, and many other places being very concerned about that and jumping ship off LastPass. I gave it more time and thought about which name I was going to say just then. Jumping ship off LastPass. Now, a couple of things on that. So, First of all, my, my view of it is that so long as you are using a password, include a password manager, including LastPass, as opposed to not using one at all, then you are in a much better position. Uh, in fact, I wrote another blog post titled Password Managers Don't Have to Be Perfect, They Just Have to Be Better Than Not Using One, which was effectively to say if we look for perfection and we identify and then discard anything that doesn't achieve perfection, then we just fall back to something which is much worse than something that is just less than perfection anyway. So I wouldn't want that to happen. There are obviously a lot of people jumping past password managers or jumping to other password managers, including 1Password, uh, and I've seen lots of messages and tweets and things to that effect. Uh, obviously, I'm happy with that in terms of 1Password doing well. Uh, frankly, I'm also happy if I see people moving to another password manager which, which they feel more comfortable with. I have seen a lot of people say that they're moving to KeePass, which is, which is fine. I am less comfortable with the reasons people are giving and uh, there's two main things that come up and I'll tell you why I'm less comfortable with them. One is because it's free. Now I just I don't feel that for most people certainly in our industry with access to about a coffee's worth of money each month I don't feel that free over, in the case of one password, it's $4.99 US a month for a family account, and you can have up to five people in the account. I don't feel that then getting down to something that works out at like a dollar something each as opposed to free, it just doesn't feel like a, a, a good argument. Uh, so if there was a reason that was purely financial, and maybe there are other reasons as well, if there was a reason that was purely financial, I don't think for the sake of a dollar something a person, that is a good argument. That's just me. The other one I keep hearing is it's open source. Because it's open source, you should use it. Now, this is no longer a key pass, one password, last pass, password manager thing. Philosophically, I love open source. A bunch of have I've been part is open source. I contribute to open source. I use open source. It's great. 
But that alone is not reason to go and use a product on a security basis. I feel really uncomfortable with that premise. And it's a little bit like this, this assumption that because it is open source, there are all these people looking at it and inspecting it and making sure it's okay, so therefore it is fine. It doesn't work that way. OpenSSL taught us it doesn't work that way. If you're doing it from a philosophical perspective of supporting communities and encouraging more things to be open, etc., then then fine, I get that, but I don't buy that security argument, particularly not when we have the likes of 1Password, investing masses in audits, which are then made very public, uh, and also investing in a lot of things like bug bounties as well. Uh, find a serious bug in 1Password, you're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> so there are a lot of eyes on it. Now, you can whack all of these things on the scales if you like and balance it up and, you know, you might put more weight in open sourceness because you can go and view the code yourself. I can't think of anything worse personally than having to review the password manager code. Uh, you might put more weight in audits that you can go and view yourself, like whatever. But just going just because it's open source is a good reason to use it. To, to me, just does not hold water. Now, uh, one of the other things, and I was just seeing a comment here from George as well, CloudSync is worse dollars, too fiddly managing offline ones like KeePass in 2022. Now, I'm being cautious not to comment too much on, on KeePass because I have not, I don't know if I used it one years ago when I was looking at which password manager to go with. I certainly haven't used it recently. I don't know how they do synchronization. But to me, synchronization of the keychain is one of the most important things because I have this iPhone, this iPad, that laptop, and my PC at home, and I need to have everything synced across everything because I'm logging on to different places the whole time or buying something with a credit card somewhere else that I want stored in my password manager. The synchronization story is really important. And before 1Password's cloud model, their synchronization model was Dropbox. And then they had the cloud model, and then a lot of people got upset because it's the internet. And then they had the... Uh, uh, eventually got rid of the standalone model and now everything does synchronize via 1Password services. It is a very slick experience, which for the vast majority of people, that's what they need. I think synchronization is a massively important thing and to do it seamlessly without you having to orchestrate the third parties that do it, that to me is a massive, massive, massive thing. Now to George's point, if KeePass doesn't do that at present and you have to take care of it yourself, personally for me, that's a massive deficit. Uh, that is not a product that I would recommend, certainly to my non-technical friends as well. Fritz says, a couple of years ago, the German IT magazine, uh, C apostrophe T, did an excellent comparison of multiple password managers. They were less than positive about LastPass, but very positive about KeyPass and 1Password. And look, the, I've certainly seen reviews similar to that as well. I've seen reviews that are that are more loving of other password managers and there are a lot of other ones out there um, dashlane for example is the one that immediately comes to mind uh, some of those in fact i think dashlane also use things like pwn passwords from have in poem so you know i'm i don't make any money from that but i'm happy with that because i think it's a good thing and again like my narrative is i think just using a password manager in the first place is like nine tenths of the way there and then we're kind of arguing about just this little bit on the end as to which one is better Last year, in fact, I just retweeted this blog post, but last year I got 1Password to do 50% off for the first 1,000 people that followed a link that I published. Uh, and my, my premise was, go and give a family member 1Password for Christmas. Now, apparently, as of a few hours ago, that link still works. I don't know if it does now because I retweeted it, and I don't know if they just had 1,000. We burned like 980 last year and 20 more today. 
whether that still works or not, if you're going to your family for Christmas, and I know you don't necessarily want to be the IT person, but if you're going there for Christmas, get your family set up with a password manager. My favorite is 1Password. Okay, next thing. And then I've got to go down to the pool and drink Singapore slings. Um, whilst we're talking about people losing their minds on the internet, yesterday, Elon tweeted. He said, Twitter is rolling out view count, so you can see how many times a tweet has been seen. This is normal for video. Shows how much more alive Twitter is than it may seem, as over 90% of Twitter users read, but don't tweet, reply, or like, as those are public actions. And I guess the point he's making is that, at least from public view, a lot of the activity that's happening is hidden. Now, inevitably, his agenda is he wants to surface more to the... Lamborghini. God, that sounds good. Anyway, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> I'm going to come back to the Lamborghini topic. <laughs> Elon's point is he wants greater visibility of the extent the platform is being used because, of course, that's good for advertisers. I quote tweeted that and I said, really liking this, much better transparency about the reach of tweets. And holy shit, did people lose their minds at my pleasure of this feature? <laughs> now, let me explain exactly what I mean by that. Um, first of all, you have always been able to see the performance of your own tweets. You can go into an individual tweet, go to analytics, or you can go to analytics.twitter.com and you can see the top tweets and everything. So you've been able to get that for your own tweets. Two issues with that is number one, you have to drill down into the tweet and you can't just scroll past a bunch of them and go, yeah, you know, a thousand views, a hundred thousand views, whatever. And the second issue is you couldn't see it for other people's tweets. Now, the reason why I like this and I find it useful, your mileage may vary, is that I like to have a sense of how much exposure something has got, not just my own tweets, but other people's as well. And the immediate examples that came to mind for me is, you wouldn't believe this, but sometimes on Twitter, people like to argue. And I find at times people get obnoxious or derogatory to the point where I mute them and I move on with my life and they never bother me again. I would really like to know how much exposure some of these derogatory messages get so that I can make a bit more of an informed decision about whether I engage or not. Because one of the things that happens when you engage is if someone goes through and they just read my tweets that are replies, they will see that other person highlight. And I'd love to be able to look at it and go, you know, what, it's been a couple of hours, 10 people have seen this. Screw them. Like, it, it doesn't matter. I can move on with my life. Conversely, if I see a thousand people have seen this thing, then I feel that there's a level of awareness that maybe justifies some engagement. I would like to see the view count more openly surfaced on my own tweets so that I've got a better sense of what actually resonates with people. You know, what is actually getting traction. I don't see a downside to this. Uh, someone said, I forget the words they use, but something along the lines of, it stresses them to see one more piece of data there. And I, I sort of replied and said, well, he, he just took away the user agent, which really was a useless piece of data, and that was a really long string, and he's replaced it with a really short string. So you're actually stressed less than what you were before by that rationale. I think what I found more than anything, though, and Scott and I touched on this a bit last week in the video then, is it really, really feels like there is a large corpus of people out there, particularly in InfoSec, who will take any opportunity 
to deride anything that Elon does. Now, some stuff deserves to be derided. And someone asked me today, uh, you know, look, is there anything you think he's done which you think was bad? And it's like, yeah, that stupid thing about not linking through to other social media platforms. That was dumb. He rolled it back very quickly, so I obviously realised it was dumb. Uh, I, I, I still cannot imagine how he ever thought that was a good idea. Uh, there are a bunch of other things which are a bit borderline. Uh, there are a bunch of other things which I, th I think are positive, such as removing the user agent string. He seems to have been a big part of many of these decisions. But I don't like the idea of taking every opportunity just to pick up the pitchfork and the torch and like go after the guy just because it's him as opposed to actually targeting whatever it is that he's actually done policy-wise. Now, in inevitably, he is not the only one making the decisions there as well. And, and obviously, since I did this last week, it looks like he will no longer be CEO soon. So he is accountable to a board. He needs other people to implement things. I'm sure, sure, that he's not the only one making these decisions in isolation, even though some of them do seem a bit erratic. So the idea of just chucking him under the bus for every single thing you don't like really doesn't seem to, to make a lot of sense. Um, let me have a look at the comments here. A few other comments here around uh, the password managers here. Fritz has moved to one password with the family and never looked back. Excellent support and well worth the money. I had not even heard of this hunt guy yet. Okay, so I can't take credit for that. Uh, I must use one password more than, I mean, outside of probably my browser and Twitter, I, I probably use one password more than any other product. Uh, and so does Charlotte. And my kids use it a lot. And it's just, it, it's great stuff. It really is great. So I'm going to look at YouTube. KeePass is, is in my OneDrive. Syncs over all devices. No problems, but it is a bit of an old interface. Uh, and that's fine. But, you know, again, like you need to then decide how you're going to roll your own synchronization model. Uh, and for someone listening to this, you're probably more of a technical persuasion. For your average masses out there, and 1Password is now a massively adopted consumer product. It, it has to be slick and seamless. Fritz, have to go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Safe travels. Thank you very much, Fritz. George, giving cybersecurity audit vouchers to family for Christmas. Hope they take it the right way. Uh, I imagine that that sounds like it's going to make more work for you, uh, George. So um, good luck on that. <laughs> Look, on, on that note, I'm sure that many of you are going to be, uh, if not already away on holidays with family and things like that, going and doing that soon. Um, enjoy your coming days of being the tech support person. So good luck with that one. Uh, I will definitely not be doing any tech support down at the swimming pool and then sitting on the beach in Sentosa tomorrow just uh, drinking through the hundreds of dollars of champagne we need to get through in order to have the cabana <laughs> for half a day. So uh, I shall tweet some photos of that. Thanks very much for watching today and also throughout the year, folks. Uh, it, has been, uh, it has been an amazing year on many levels. Maybe I'll try and do some sort of retrospective next week because that will be, uh, it will be the New Year's Eve episode if I can do this one week from today, which would be a day late. We'll see. I'll find some sort of retrospective. Take care, have fun, uh, and enjoy your Christmas days, whether that is today in Scandinavia or tomorrow much of the rest of the world.